A Monday morning towards the year's echoing empty beginning, cold like a fag end stubbed out on a pavement. I fumble into the stone house and squat by the fireside with a pine cone and a cigarette lighter and watch intently as the tiny flame catches and grows. The hearth is cold black metal, cold from the long January nights. Down on my haunches under the chimneypiece, carefully placing the pine cone at the back of the fireplace, adding dry sticks gently so as not to stifle the fragile wisp of orange flame, feeling the fire's oncoming warmth. I sit for a while to watch the leaping, suddenly energetic and joyous flames given life by their feast of oak and chestnut logs. A brave, still feeble effort at warmth and light pitting itself against the pre-dawn darkness prowling around the house. For millennia, humanity has stared in two general directions, up towards the starry skies and down into the glow and flicker of the life-giving fire. Heart and hearth, they differ by only a letter. Beyond my window are stone, wood and greenery. Gnarled trees, bare and dark, choked with dripping mist, a tumble of granite rocks swaddled in soft moss. In here, what warmth and dryness there is for miles around is concentrated in the minimal space near my log fire. The quietude that surrounds me is as deep and somber as the darkening wood, but filled with a strange heightened radiance. In a place like this, Time does not stand still so much as swirl in currents, now dense and sluggish, now thin and fluid, now dripping in fat drops like rainwater off the eaves. It was twenty years ago today. For ten years we had lived in a big white house within sight of the sea on the island of Ibiza. At the beginning there had been wild nights out and dressing up and getting down with the island's strange cast of international freaks and chances. But quickly the madness began to exhaust us and we had retreated into a rural neighborhood where country people in their whitewashed farms still clung with quiet obstinacy to their traditional life and values. In the tired, dust-blown heats of late summer, our elderly neighbors Francesca and Joanne, took to the fields to harvest the almond crop, rattling wooden poles among dry branches to dislodge the almonds which fell heavily onto nets laid around the trunk. We grew our first tomato plants and lettuces in a little patch below the house, and kept a pig and four goats, from whose milk we made a cool, salty, fresh cheese. Well, it was a start. That house was of indeterminate age, and its gently rounded cuboid forms were layered with hundreds of years of whitewash. During the innocent early time, we were pulling water in a tin bucket out of an underground cistern, which filled with rainwater from the roof. Before the island became a fiefdom of the international super-rich, where a whitewashed farmhouse would set you back millions of euros, it was a good place to start a new life on the land. Rents were cheap, and most houses in the country came with at least a hectare of terrain. More to the point, there was still a hardcore of country people living around us whose knowledge could be drawn on, like water from a deep well. At our first pig slaughter, 
A gang of neighbors showed up and, quickly realizing we were pig ignorant, took charge of events while we looked and learned. A butcher from the village dealt with the pig sticking and the subsequent deconstruction of the animal. Maria, from the post office, came up to demonstrate the unedifying but crucially important task of cleaning the entrails, then reappeared next day to share her recipe for a local sausage rich in pimenton. We made a little bread, a little rough red wine. We made apricot jam and sun-dried figs, and macerated herbs in sweet aniseed liquor. It was a toe in the water, but it wasn't enough. What we craved was total immersion. Saturday was hippie market day, when, at a warren of makeshift stalls, hippies sold their homemade craft items or knick-knacks brought back from trips to the Far East. 